Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo, and uh, I am joined by uh, you know the, the the full house here. You know, uh, and we are returning to the last chapters of the Shadow of the Torture in our read along for the Year of the New Sun. And with me today, reading chapters 26 through 35. I was going to say 25. We're going back in time, folks. Uh, How appropriate. It would seem that way, right? If we're the full house, I get to be Bob Saget. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) R.I.P. Just calling it out. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, And that was Pete uh, or Bob Saget, as the case may be. Um, Chris, how you doing, man? Cut it out. I'm doing good. <laughs> All right. And of course the the last person in the full house would be Kurt. Uh, I'll, Kurt. I'll be I'll be Bob Sagat from, from Street Fighter Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> no one knew that uh, the R Sagat was actually for Robert. <laughs> All right. So um all right, and oh, uh, and of course, I do want to put a small caveat. Ever since we're starting the previously on Shadow of the Torturer, um, I do want to put a small caveat here that I will be recounting what has happened previously in the previous five chapters we read, not the entire book. Uh, that's what the other episodes are for, folks. You know, um, technically, technically, from the point of view that the book was written. The entire plot of all of the uh, books has already mm-hmm. happened. So really, you should recount the plot of of all f- four books at the uh, at the beginning of each episode. <laughs> it's it's really yeah that is a technicality that you are absolutely correct on. However, uh, since I have I did not like Gene Wolf receive the full text from the future. Um, okay. Well, here's here's my pitch. I I can give three sentences and we can we can keep going. And those oh, go the, for it. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. Boom. Okay, now you pick it up. <laughs> All right, that sounds like a wheel of time. Are we doing? Are we reading along the wheel of time? <laughs> well, it just God seems sort it. of appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. I, I do. I will say that this, um, yeah, this, this series is a little better written than that. But that's, yes, I, I sh- I'm sure that there's a couple of people uh, in our Discord that just heard, like they felt a great disturbance and uh, are already uh, drafting their their responses to me thinking that Wheel of Time is not as good as this. Can I can I do my recap? Go for it. No, oh, Prince, that between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the gleaming cities and the years of the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of when shiny kingdoms... Anyway, sorry. Anyway. No, that how was awesome. Flex, how much of a... Fun, it's, I mean, that's uh, that's uh, the phoenix on the sword. Uh, the You know, the, the first uh, published uh, Conan work. So um, it should be awesome. And that's my backdoor pilot that we should do at some point a uh a pulp uh month or something oh yeah <laughs> so but but how much of a flex w- would it have been to just just not stop and just keep reading the entire story <laughs> <laughs> keep on reading conan paralyzed like, you've been paralyzed and i went through eleven thousand words <laughs> just, <laughs> april fools several weeks too late <laughs> um anyway uh but anyway uh 
let me see here because I would actually have to think on this. Uh, we last left our uh, brave trio of Agia, Severian, and Dorcas uh, at the Inn of Lost Loves mm-hmm. when they'd received a a uh, what do you call it? Cryptic message uh, that no one seemed to understand exactly what it said. Um, but before that. Uh, we had gone to the uh, capture the Avern, which mm. is a deadly flower that um, ha- not only its leaves are poisonous, but it's uh, it is used as a weapon of dueling. Uh, and also, uh, as Chris had pointed out, it it seems to have a weird optical illusion that it seems further away than it appears. So. Uh, they meet a Hildegrin the Badger uh, before they dig up the Avern, and uh, they fish Dorcas, uh, a, or rather, I'm sorry, Dorcas appears in <laughs> the, right. in the, uh, the, the Garden of Eternal Sleep uh, to help uh, Severian uh, out of the water as he is, uh, he falls in and almost loses his sword, Terminus Est. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's I think as far as we need to go back because they they'd been in the botanical gardens uh, to get the Avern or- originally and had some you know small adventures. <laughs> strange strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. <laughs> it, it surely isn't. I mean, <laughs> but uh, I mean that's that's why he backed into the throne, isn't that's it? That's right. That's right. I, I have to say, this sequence of chapters was uh, there was a lot, and not not just because we decided to just do the rest of the book and wrap up uh, Shadow of the Torturer. There was a lot that happened. This felt like um, this felt like a, a lot of a lot of tensions that we had that had been promised to us that they would be resolved were all of a sudden unwound all at once mm-hmm. in. The space of, you know, I guess it's like what, eight chapters, nine chapters we actually wound up covering, mm-hmm. um, which was and in all, all in a pretty satisfying but surprising way across the board, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree that there are a couple of things where it, it the mystery of exactly what's happening is resolved in a way that is both surprising yet um seems to actually have everything that you needed to already figure it out you know beforehand well isn't that isn't isn't that the way of of like a good story things happen the way that they must have like the way that they mm-hmm. must happen it feels both surprising and expected right so like the mm-hmm. way that severian loses but also wins the duel is perfectly in line with everything we know about Severian. I was completely wrong. He doesn't completely own the other guy, you know, in a in a surprising way, but he also kind of does, right? Like, it's surprising, but you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That's exactly kind of what I expected to happen, but in a way that was surprising. Um, like, you know what's going to happen, but seeing it, reading it actually happen is, is still... Uh, unexpected in its own way. I, I don't know. It was it was very very pleasing and pleasant. Um, I did not expect it uh, to be uh, Agilus, though. That that took me by surprise. I was mm. surprised by that. Uh, yeah, it, it it is really cool, and it it I think it it 
once you start thinking about it, you, oh, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, but it is. It, go ahead. Oh no, I was just say it. It explains. It's it's funny because there's a trick that Gene Wolfe does, right? Where when Severian receives the dual challenge, it's surprising and it seems stupid, right? You're like, what? Why is this? Why is this silent figure walking up and giving me a pebble and being like, oh, you've been challenged to a lethal duel for reasons that you don't understand? And like, it seems very flimsy in retrospect, but it's no flimsier than anything else that has happened from mm-hmm. our point of view, because we don't know what the hell's going on any more than Severian does most of the time. Well, and, and, and so and, it's like, in retrospect, it's like, oh, well, yeah, clearly, clearly that was a fucking put on. But how, yeah. you know, it, it, it seems no more of a put on than anything else. And I think uh, he, he was very... Um, it, it particularly seemed more uh, under, understandable when he was just previously, you know, pulled aside by the guards before saying, and, you know, right, right. So like, you're like, oh, so it's, it's more, he's getting more in trouble with the authorities. And then like he is uh, Gene Wolf, Gene Wolf is also uh, <laughs> using your expectations against you because you're like, well, at some point an overarching narrative has got to start. And so you're like, well, maybe this is it. Maybe it? This is, yeah. <laughs> and then like, it's only at the end and you're like oh shit this whole thing was just a like you know a, a, a seedy attempt to steal his freaking sword like it, it's like this it was this like complete like side sidetrack um but like i i love that like this entire book was just a whole book of sidetracks like yeah. well i mean he is an annoying little weirdo but he like he's the perfect narrator for this this series of events because like the world is a confusing shithole and he's being targeted by weird stuff and so like there is no like like a like a straight a, a straight viewpoint on what's going on would not yield the same value as 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 his crappy vision mm-hmm. I, right right if 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 this were told from the point of view of Agia for instance, it would be simplistic to the point of tedium, right? Yeah, I mean, because not from from her point of view, nothing much happens until you know all of a sudden you know her brother you know fucks up in in trying to run. Uh, you know he tried he tried to scam a scammer. Uh, he tried to play a player. Um, <laughs> right. and uh, and who who accidentally wins. Um, by ooh, I'm excited, and and it just it just I. I have a theory for why why he didn't die, but but yeah, from her point of view, the the plot is very straightforward. But from Severian's, it's very it's very internecine and confusing because he's grasping at straws of what's going on. He's like, well, why am I going over here? What's a what what's an Avern? Oh, it's a flower. How am I supposed to fight with this? Yeah. Who's this person? What does it all mean? And for he's her, a- it's just like we're trying to get this guy's sword. We're trying to get this guy's sword. <laughs> he's an arrogant monk dropped in the middle of Times Square at midnight. Yes. Yeah. And, and not just like not modern day Disney Times Square, but like the, the Times Square of like the 70s. So it was like, you know, 42nd Street and like, you know, CD grindhouses and all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's no e- M&M e- store. No, that's right. That's <laughs> it's, right. Yeah. It's, it, anyone, even the people that, that actually don't mean you any harm are still trying to scam you in some way. Yes. Yes. So I would say. What I would be interested in the um, what's her name, Archia, Arya, like her narrative, because like I want to know if she's sexually contracted to him because I'm confused about that. 
Wait, who? IGM. Yeah. Oh, wait, what do you yeah, mean sexually IGM. contracted to him? Attracted. Oh, attracted. I think you said contracted. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Is, is this a libertarian? Who's <laughs> <laughs> about this? So I think I think she's um, too old for that, uh, Kurt. Sorry. Um, I don't know. I don't know. She seems to be at some yeah. at some level, maybe. But it's hard. I, I mean, it's hard to tell, right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, especially through his his view on the world, right? Yeah. Like like even, but I, I mean, even even when the jig is up, right? And there's, well, I, I, I mean, I guess she's still trying to steal the claw of the conciliator. Yeah, I think so that's the most maybe likely not, thing. Maybe not. Maybe because she's like, you idiot. We were going to go bone <laughs> down. And instead, you had to go wander around in the desert. <laughs> it is funny, though, how Severian, one of the most down bad characters I've ever read, resolutely stumbles his way around ever having sex where he's like he, he there's these women like throwing themselves at him and he's like but i've got this other thing that i have to do meanwhile every woman that he sees he's like this is the most beautiful woman i've ever seen oh my god i can't even believe and she's beautiful in a way that no other woman has ever previously been and and like to the point that by the end of the book He's like, this new woman I've just met is beautiful to me in a way that's different from Dorcas. This other woman who I just said was beautiful in a way that was different from Agia, who I just <laughs> said was different in a way from Thecla, who is different in the way from uh, from uh, uh, the the warm commerce merch. <laughs> by the end, like, like I, I assume that like like by the end of the series, he's just like, look, I gotta tell you, this woman was beautiful to me in a totally new way, and then just listen. <laughs> Like, uh, like, like, uh, like, like, like one of those biblical books that's ju- ju- just a list of names, but it's just a list of women that, that, uh, numbers, yeah, se- that, uh, yeah, Severian ha- has been like down bad for. <laughs> also, factor in that, like, he, he can kill somebody with his thumbnail. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's not just a cook, uh, Pete. <laughs> anyway, so, um, that was uh, nice, dude. Oh well, I I do try. I, I have my moments. Um, oh, I get it. So- I get it now. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> you got that reference? Excellent. Yes. Now I got the reference. All right. So, um, I guess we should probably uh, like. So they they go down to the Sanguinary Field. Um, there's a uh, a a sort of a a brief back and forth as the um, the Hipparch would. Uh, given him the Avern Stone uh, in challenge, shows up, uh, you know, basically in full armor. And uh, there's a, a little bit of back and forth where Dorcas sort of shows her resolve and says, you know, basically, yeah, he's that guy's wearing armor. The, you know, our dude isn't even wearing a shirt. Uh, you know, we should probably, you know, even things up a little bit. They get on with the duel, and um, well, you know, uh, something happens. Severian uh, <laughs> gets distracted by the fact that uh, the Avern leaves intercept each other. Like he throws one, uh, or actually, uh, his opponent throws a, uh, a an Avern leaf that his own leaf catches in midair, <laughs> and they start writhing and sort of like as if they're like two fighting dogs or something. You know, just trying mm-hmm. to own each other and he realized oh he looks down oh he's got an Avern leaf in his own chest whoops yeah 
I, the, the, I loved the, how the it was two, described, though. Oh, so, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to make a s- stupid joke that the, the, the two Avern leaves, like, fighting each other is very much like those, the bullets in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where they're, like, uh, <laughs> a, a, alive and talking. And, yeah, the dum-dums, the, the dum-dums. Yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love the way that it's described when he, like, falls over, where he's like, suddenly, he's like, suddenly, somebody was pressing against my back. And and like yes. it's, it's of course it's, it's like, so like he fell on the ground and he's like there's something <laughs> there's, there's some very big person against my back. Um, I, it's I, the I really earth like, asshole. <laughs> I, I really like how he gets distracted observing all these things. It's like you moron, you're in a you're in like a duel to the death. Pay attention to what's going on. Don't be like woo flowers. <laughs> Cool. The way the way way you said that, uh, Kurt, just reminded me of like uh, that scene in in the Fight Club movie where he's like, "Your pain is here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, "I don't need you to go off in La La Land." I I was I was impressed slash surprised at 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 Dorcas jumping in, uh, and and I I don't remember what advice she said. What the hell was it? Was it something about like about um like compensation for his opponent not not removing his mask or something there there, there was something where she was like no 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 we're not going to do this we're going to do this other thing i forget what uh, what she, advice it was she she actually said um uh so basically the uh the hip arc manages to take the like the the curious off and you know is not wearing armor but will not un you know unhelmet uh and so uh Basically, uh, he refuses the 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 uh, to to unmask because apparently the person who contracted him uh, it has told him that he cannot take off his helmet, and that's the that's the reasoning. Uh, so when that happens, the um, adjudicator or the referee or what have you uh, basically says. Uh, or no, actually, uh, what is it? The F4 turned to me. We none of us would desire, I think, to em- embarrass the Hipparch, and still less the personage. I do not say whom it may be that he serves. I believe the wisest course would be to allow you, sir, some compensating advantage. Have you one to suggest? And Agia, who had been silent since I had struck her, said, Refuse the combat, Severian, or reserve your advantage until you need it. Dorcas, who was loosening the strips of rag that bound the Avern, said also, refuse the combat. And he says, of course, I've come too far to turn back now. Idiot. <laughs> I, I would like to say that she should be named Severian and he should be named Dorcas. <laughs> Just putting that out there. I mean, I guess I understand it. So far, what we've seen of Severian is that he, when he is decided on something, however dumb it may be. <laughs> oh, you know, you know what it was. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. But it was actually before the part that that you you were talking about. What I was remembering, um, mm. you are correct that that Dorcas guides him throughout that that sequence. But the thing that struck me. Is when um, is when the uh, the E four says, uh, you know, will you duel as you are, naked or otherwise? Uh, and Dorcas immediately says, naked. Um, oh, that's and, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and then she armor. jumps in and is like, he's got armor. This guy doesn't even have a shirt. 
this this mm-hmm. dumbass. Um, that that's what I was surprised by because it it in the moment you're like, wait, they're gonna fight naked? That sounds that sounds nuts. Um, but it turns out to be exactly the right call, which is funny because at every other moment that we've seen from Dorcas before and after, she's totally out of it. Um, and suddenly yeah, she, she's giving she comes- like very canny tactical advice and, like in this like negotiation of death. Mm. Yeah. Well, I I have a theory on that. <clears throat> It's it's a stupid theory, but like she came from the lake, and who lo- knows how long she was down there? So, like in terms of like cultural interpretation of what's going on, mm. she might be as bad as as I, we would be in the same situation. But like you know, like dealing with this duel and dealing with death. I mean, I don't know. Like I can see someone being competent in a moment like that, and and not being well tuned into the rest of the world. That's true. Hmm. I just kind of like her, so I'm being defensive. I like her a lot. It, it it does it does strike me though. While we're on the topic, um, okay, this is the first criticism I've I've had of the book, and it may Ooh. not even really be a criticism. I feel like Wolf writes the 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 women characters most in a fairly similar way, um. That reads to me more similar than the male characters, but I'm not sure if that's not intentional at some level. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I because we're we are receiving this. Uh, what is it like? Maybe two or three different levels removed, right? Yeah, because we're we're receiving it one through uh, through Severian at the yeah. moment, who is is being narrated by Severian of the future, who is the autarch, who is then on top of that, you know, being translated by Wolf. Um, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and you listeners are getting it through a Us. quartet of drunken podcasters <laughs> who are listening to Gene Wolf describe Severian's understanding <laughs> of other characters. So good luck. <laughs> well, and Pete, if they decide to tell someone else about our podcast. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. It's turtles all the way down, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, every every woman in this book so far has reminded me a little bit of uh, Carrie Ann Moss's character in Memento. Oh, good mm. call. <laughs> yeah. No, that's excellent. Wow. Like Where she maybe, like knows she knows a little bit more than yes. she's letting on, and yes, oh, and she's a little bit prickly, a little bit insulting, and you, the reader, know that she is actually being a bit more insulting even than than the person who is being condescended to knows. But yeah, yeah, a little bit threatening, maybe a friend, but possible, but also possibly not. But that's now, now that granted, that's not a bad way to write a character, be it you know, be be they you know, a woman, a man or otherwise. Um, but, but it does seem, uh, a commonality in, in Wolf's writing, I think. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, and, and let's not forget to mention that there is a double, uh, aspect to the, to like the, uh, the scam that Agia and Agilis, uh, are running. Right. So even if for whatever reason, uh, you know, like Severian is able to hold his own in the duel with both Avernes. Uh, Agilis is wearing gloves, uh. which which keeps the stock that he's holding 
colder or at room, you know, whatever the, the ambient temperature is. Whereas Severian is barehanded holding the Avern by the stem, which is what actually causes it to sort of come alive. Yeah. It reacts to the heat. And uh, later we find out through Dorcas, you know, what happened because obviously, <laughs> you know, a Severian uh, may have perfect recall, but he did not see any of these things while he was basically uh, dying and being uh, somehow miraculously brought back to life. Um, and it says that basically uh, the the flower had opened already. And uh, there's a great line here is uh, the, the flower had a face in it. I was thinking there was more, much, uh, what is it? Hold on. I have it here. Uh, first off, um, almost at once he hit you in the chest and you fell. Dorcas says, I remember seeing the leaf, a horrible thing, like a flatworm made of iron half in your body and turning red as it drank your blood. Uh, then it fell away. I don't know how to describe it. It was as though everything I had been, I had seen had been wrong. But I, it wasn't wrong. I remember what I saw. You got up again and you looked, I don't know, as if you were lost or some part of you was far away. I thought he was going to kill you at once, but the F4 protect, protected you, saying he had to allow you to get up, get your Averne. Uh, then he says, then she says, I should say, uh, but yours had begun to writhe and open its flower. I thought it had been opened before, the white thing with the swirl of petals. Only now I believe I was thinking too much of roses. And it had not been open at all. There was something underneath, something else, a face like the face poison would have mm -hmm. if poison had a face. <laughs> wow. That's good. I, that was cool. Yeah. I, 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 and I, I like that it doesn't really describe it to you because it's, it's other people describing to Severian something that they saw, right? Like it would be very mm -hmm. trite um, to be like, so, so we we've already had the you know Severian's explanation of what the Avern looks like, and it would be very trite to be like, oh, it opened up and inside I saw this. But instead, it's like it's somebody else describing it to him in kind of like an upset poetic way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little heightened, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, but but I do love that like that description is like it, it had a face as if poison, like the face poison would have if it had a face. So <laughs> so so good. Can I ask a question, which is, do, does anyone else now or in the past, since I know that a couple of you have read this before, have a theory about why Severian doesn't die from the thing he's supposed to have died from? I mean, uh, we do have an answer within, you know, like, uh, I think it's the next chapter or whatever. Do we? Yeah. I, mi I missed that then. Yeah, I didn't hear so that. So when when he goes into uh, so the next thing is that you know Dorcas tells him uh, he's been uh, as a matter. <laughs> well, this is interesting because as a matter of course, uh, he now is the executioner on site yeah. uh, for the for Agilis, like and so chef's he, kiss. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it is sort of like one of these situations where he, because no one else is available that could do the job, uh, you, you know, you'd think he could recuse himself, but he doesn't, right? Um, but so when he goes into the cell, uh, Adia tries, tries like her last little gambit, uh, to mm -hmm. sort of like th throw herself at him, cover his face with kisses, and, uh, he feels her like, 
messing around at his waist and she's trying to get her hand into his saber tash. Uh, and later on, he finds out that inside he thought that she was going for the letter that he had, he had written, but what he finds instead underneath the letter is the claw of the conciliator in there. But that's later. No, no, I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying he got, he got cut by the Avern leaf. So why didn't he die? No, that's from the, the poison. Thing. Right, but the claw of the conciliator was on him already. She was trying to retrieve oh, it from him. Oh, so it was the uh, it, it was the power of the claw of the conciliator. Okay, interesting. Uh, I, I didn't get that. My theory was that he is, you know, like he is descended from uh, Kagegens or whatever it was called, because mm-hmm. it's it's ma- it, uh, a point is made that. The, the you know it, it was a quirk of biology that the averns were toxic to our world mm. um mm. in the same way and so maybe he wasn't actually you know of entirely of our world but that make that that makes sense that's a good point i didn't think about that at all i think of the claw and i think you guys know this as the hand of vecna mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only the fingernail of vecna uh, uh okay fair enough <laughs> But no, no, I mean, it, it is, it is sort of uh, a, 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 I mean, that's what's so funny about like the whole story about them crashing into the, the cathedral of the Pelerines, uh, because they search Agia, uh, and so the, the, the idea here is that Agia may have suspected that they were going to search her. So she, you know, sort of like reverse pickpocketed, uh, uh, you know, Severian and, and slipped the uh, claw in, into his saber tash for later retrieval. Right. Uh, and so uh, the Pelerines grab, you know, uh, hold uh, Severian's hand and there's no lies in this one. You know, they basically go no lies detected and uh, on your way then uh, the, the claw has disappeared. It hasn't happened often, but uh, that's, that's the way these things are, you know, and you, you can go on your way folks. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that is at least the, the theory that's sort of presented here already. I, I don't think it's spelled out, but it's, it's definitely there where you've been told some of the powers that the claw already possesses, right? Uh, healing, you know, healing the sick and all that. Good uh, stuff. yep. Yep. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't put that together. Yeah, I, I didn't either. Nope. Nope, nope. Hey. No. I, I guess, I guess, part of it is I, I'm still struggling with the existence of potentially the supernatural, but possibly just technology. Like it's, it's unclear, right? And 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 Wolf is not terribly interested in being precise about what what is happening because of technology and what is genuinely supernatural. I, I, Lord I, of Light I, vibes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> no, that's the, yes, yes. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Yeah, there, there are things in in Lord of Light where it's like, uh, this, you know, this, this person has this, this, this ability that's clearly like a laser gun, but they also have something that could be supernatural, like on on top of that. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it's the same way where it's like, well, or the Rakasha or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the the difference, uh, Pete, with Lord of Light is that because you get someone who is further up on the sort of like the hierarchy, right? Who has the privilege of being able to tell you, yeah, I came over on the ships and this is technology yeah. and this is other. I don't know what this is some mumbo jumbo. I don't know what the what that is. Um, 
you you do get a good sense uh because sam is able to sort of tell you oh yeah that, that, that was a scam i i invented that scam you know uh, <laughs> Uh, so, so, but because Severian is very much on sort of a very different, uh, uh, level in the power structure of earth, um, <laughs> you know, he, uh, he doesn't have any one, he doesn't have any necessarily any good ideas as to what is and is not technology. Um, and, uh, secondly, the stuff that is very, you know, sort of every day and normal uh, is sort of tossed off without really calling attention to it. You know, the green moon being the, the previous example, but also like, for instance, um, one of the, the examples that is just sort of tossed out as description is when he is accosted by that, um, by that guard. Right. Uh, and the, the brief description that you get of the guards, the lower guards who are actually guarding the bridge is that they have these, uh, they're holding these shields, which just so happen to be made of some sort of, uh, flexible, uh, material that is transparent, but not, not glass. Mm -hmm. So it's basically, they're, they're carrying riot shields. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, um, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I really liked in the next part getting to see Severian do some uh, like his his torture executioner thing. Mm -hmm. um, yep, that yes. that was that was neat. Where uh, I I liked the whole exchange with Agilis and Agia in the cell. Um, I did like how fucking annoyed Agia is, where she's like, "Look, at any point you could have." You you could have pieced out. I would have paid you everything and like extra on top of that if you had just left, you idiot. You know, you <laughs> first of all, you could have just run away. Second of all, you could have you know uh, pieced out, and I would have stolen the sword or um, I I forget what she said exactly. Like so she was trying to get him to like to like buy a disguise so that she could talk him into leaving, um, and like avoiding the duel, uh, because because obviously like. She and Ad she and Agilis don't have the means to send assassins after him, um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then and then finally there was like the duel itself, which which Agilis is you know is is, is adept at winning through through his particular methodology of cheating, um, and I have to say, pretty stupid of him uh, to uh, kill a bunch of people on on his way out after it it after it uh, didn't work. Yeah, um, that was uh, that was perhaps a bad call. Yeah, I mean, I, I do I do love just how sort of um, weirdly perverse his Agilis's reasons are too. Uh, like basically, he he accuses Severian of trying to entrap him. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what are you talking about? You're the <laughs> ones that set up like this whole thing, and and like, I, I, I the the one that I mean, obviously he's talking about like, yeah, you you're carrying a sword that's basically like worth, you know, several uh, a whole neighborhood around on your back, and you're not yeah. willing to sell it. I, I the thing that really got me, which seems very um of the moment, let's say. Uh, secondly, by refusing to entertain any offer to buy in our commercial society mm. one may set one's price as high as one wishes but refuse to sell at any price is treason <laughs> yeah that is that is wild to me because that is like oh okay so you 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 should be able to buy anything is what what agilis is uh is 
you know, like basic uh, accusation is. Yeah. Like you're, you're, uh, being, uh, perversely um false by not participating in the capitalistic mm. system <laughs> yeah yeah and and of course you know thirdly by the slate with which we, you won our combat which you know he's he may or may not be aware of uh you know we don't know what agilis knows uh whether agia told him that she had you know palmed the uh the claw and put it in a saber tash and they were going to use that to then sell and uh mm -hmm. and perhaps get out from under things uh, who knows? Oh, there was a little detail detail in here that I loved, which was um, Severian mentions that when you're going to execute someone, you lie to them about the order of events, like what precisely is going to happen, so that when the I executioner's strike happens, they they're they're expecting something else to happen, and so they don't die afraid that they 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 die surprised, like boop, like. I, again, mm -hmm. like just like what they did to Thecla or like what a dentist does to you, where it's like, okay, on three, one, two, and then they give you the jab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a story about this. Can I tell it really quick? Yes, but Go, only if it involves it. you executing someone in the far future, Pete. No, 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 oh. no, no. Please, please tell the story. Please tell the story. So at one point during my midlife crisis, I decided it would be a great thing to get my nipples pierced. Okay. So okay. I, I go to a piercing tattoo shop and I'm talking to the lady and we're talking through tattoos and stuff. And, and she stops me in the middle and she's like, okay, before, before I do the first one, I want to know whether you want me to slowly do it through or surprise you. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't really like pain, so you should surprise me. <laughs> And she's, you know, we're talking a little bit more and she's got like a, a dragon wrapped all the way around her body. And she shows like all the way down to her arm and brings it to like the nape of her neck. And she looks into my eyes and she goes, do you want to see the rest of it? I'm like, what? And she goes, bam, noodle, needle right through my nipple. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, that's that's one confused, way to do it. Confused horny. That would give me uh that that, that would give me uh, a great deal of confusion for probably the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, Very I, much so. I, I hope this doesn't awaken mad. anything in me. <laughs> Could you imagine if he'd done that like twenty years earlier, Pete? Uh, you'd be you'd have some serious uh, issues. <laughs> anyway. It, it, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I was just thinking to myself, like, again, like the, the watching rock and roll uh, a little earlier in my life. Uh, oh yeah. Oof. Uh, yeah. That could have been, that could have broken a different way, man. Uh, anyway. So, um, so uh, we're, we're kind of skipping over though, that, uh, Severin finally got some. From yes. Dorcas. Yes. Wait, did he? Yes. Yeah, the, the night before it's, the execution, uh, they, they barricade the door. They they get. Oh, and, you're and, right. I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, yeah I did right. too. Damn. Yeah. Yes, Severian is. Uh, he's kind of a gentleman when it comes to <laughs> like like he's 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 extremely horny for everyone he meets, but he doesn't linger on uh, on the details. Mm -hmm. Um, he's just like, yeah, it happened. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big deal at all. Um. And uh, yeah, it's it. it but 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 I, what I also thought was funny was um, as the book has gone on, he's revealed a lot more details about his relationship with Thecla that you didn't get um, mm -hmm. at the time. Like like at, he's 
he's mentioned in passing later that like he did sleep with Thecla later. Um and and like that seems somewhat obvious, but he's not really explicit about it when Thecla is actually an active participant in the story. It's only really mentioned later. He's like, oh yeah, you know, this reminded me of that time that mm-hmm. uh, I was having sex with Thecla or something like that. Or, or uh, I also like the uh, uh, the detail where, oh yeah, you know, like like those times. There's so such a great moment when she would fly at my eyes with her with her claws. Oh yes, yes, that was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. Like, All those hilarious times she tried to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I, I'm beginning to think this guy might not be telling us the whole story all the time. <laughs> you know, I, I think you're on to something, Kurt. 30, 30, 30 chapters in, I think you might be, uh, you figured something out. Um, <laughs> the, oh, I, 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 this goes back to that. There's one part uh, where he's talking with, uh, I think it's Dorcas, and she's like, "Do you remember what happened?" And he's like, "Hey, I remember everything, but why don't you just remind me?" <laughs> <laughs> I was just testing you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so before uh, we move on to the play, uh, they're walking uh, in the evening uh, after the execution because, like, uh, actually, what was it? They. Um, they talk to the uh, the the guy in charge. I think it's the exarch, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you can leave at twilight." He's like, uh, "We'll wait till evening. We know how these things work out. <laughs> People might be looking for us still." So, uh, so when they're walking along the e- in on the e- in the evening uh, along the road, um, and talking about like the claw, and he shows it to, to Dorcas as one does, uh, you know, just any relic. That you have lying around like that, uh, they both see uh, what was it hanging over the city like a flying mountain in a dream was an enormous building, a building with towers and buttresses and an arched roof. Crimson light poured from its windows. I tried to speak to deny the miracle even as I saw it, but before I could frame a syllable, the building had vanished like a bubble in a fountain, leaving only a cascade of sparks. Seems normal. I don't know. It just seems like <laughs> yeah, just just the thing. That we don't know. We we still don't know a lot about Nessus. So uh, there is actually so so that was fascinating. And of course, my mind immediately went to like, well, was that technology? Was it a hallucination? I like the rest of now that they're like, well, you know, Nessus is the greatest city in the world, uh, and so like even if almost nobody saw it, probably hundreds of people would would, would have seen it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and so I'm I'm curious to find out what that was. But we, we skipped over something else, which was uh, the the weirdo like execution uh, f- fans yeah. who like who like oh, yeah, cost yeah. him in the hallway who were like, can you can you uh, you know dip this handkerchief in his blood? Um, can you do this? Can you do that? And then there's there's the weird dude who's like. I lost a doll. They've taken my doll from me. I need you to to t- have you seen my doll? My beautiful doll. It slept in a little box. And you're like, what the fuck is going on here? He's, he he has his sex doll, dude. He needed his sex doll back. That's what it was. And and I love that that character whose name I forget is like is like Hedron H- or something. Hethor. Hethor. I love that he speaks exclusively in like full page diatribes. Yeah. He's like, he's like, oh Lord, when I traveled here on these on these ships of steel across the heavens with my crew of mercenaries, and I have with me a little doll. Like it sounds, it it sounds, it sounds like a combination of uh 
like a Herman Melville uh, character and Donald Trump. Just like going on these long <laughs> rambling tirades about about sailing vessels. <laughs> well, but but that's I think that that's the thing, right? He's talking about ships, which ships? Mm. Yeah, what yeah, kind I, of ships? I definitely assumed he's from a spaceship. Yes, and he's some kind of weird spaceship guy. Yeah. I like that space Moby Dick. Um. But yeah, like Hethor is a fucking weirdo, uh, and then he shows up. He shows up a little later too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, they they uh, stumble uh, after they see the flying fortress. They sort of stumble onto a play that's <laughs> that's already in progress. Yeah, <laughs> interrupting the play already in progress. Uh, and uh, there is a moment here that um, I did want to point out that I really sort of liked it um that uh Severian's talking about um the key to the universe right uh and uh yeah so basically like the key as in like a code or some sort of pattern or something to to that effect and uh, he says i didn't say that as well as i should have what i meant was are you familiar with the idea that the universe has a secret key, a sentence or a phrase, some say even a single word that could be wrung from the lips of a certain statue or read in the firmament, or that an anchorite in a, in a world across the seas uh, teaches his disciples? Babies know it, Dorcas said. They know it before they learn to speak, but by the time they're old enough to talk, they have forgotten most of it. At least someone told me that once. That's what I mean. Something like that. The Brown Book is a collection of the myths of the past, and it has a section listing all the keys of the universe, all the things people have said were the secret before they had talked to mystagogues and far worlds or studied the popple vu of the magicians or fasted in the trunks of holy trees. Thecla and I used to read them and talk about them, and one of them was that everything, whatever happens, has three meanings. The first is its practical meaning, that the book that what the book calls the thing the plowman sees. The cow has taken a mouthful of grass, and it is real grass and a real cow. That meaning is as important and as true as either of the others. The second is the reflection of the world about it. Every object is in contact with all others, and thus the wise can learn of the others by observing the first. That might be called the soothsayer's meaning because it is the... Th- uh, because it is the one such people use when they prophesy a fortunate meeting from the tracks of serpents or confirm the outcome of a love affair by putting the elector of one suit atop the patroness of another. And the third meaning, Dorcas asked, the third is the transubstantial meaning, since all objects have their ultimate origin in the pancreator and all were set in motion by him, so all must express his will, which is the higher reality. Which, um, let me point out, folks, this is how to read Book of the New Sun, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I thought it was going to be a reference to when it when it started out talking about the plowman? Um, was, uh, are you familiar with uh, the ten bulls or uh, the ten ox herding pictures? No. It's, it's a uh, rhetorical device slash teaching story slash teaching framework um, in uh, the Zen Buddhist tradition. Um, that that describes the path to enlightenment in terms of somebody searching for a lost uh, bull. And so it starts of, you know, you're searching for the bull, 
then you find the footprints, then you then you see the bull, then you catch the bull, then you tame the bull, then you're riding the bull back, then then you get back home when you're thinking about the bull, and then you've 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 transcended this this experience and you're internalized. It's it's this whole process of of like describing the path to enlightenment and what comes after and how you grow as a person through this this process of you know religious and philosophical education um and hmm. and it it's I, I i was i was surprised that it didn't go in that direction but i was delighted that it went in a, in a different unexpected direction i actually this is one of those um works where i i kind of like when i don't get the reference if there is one hmm. and i'm like oh i thought that i thought that this was going to be a reference and it's not because it's almost like it's it's like the world got a little bit bigger, right? Where I'm like, well, now I don't know if this is Gene Wolfe just making something up or if it's a reference that I'm not getting. And now there's a little bit more mystery in the world as opposed to like, oh, he's talking about this. Right. Well, I mean, it's also, uh, it's also, you know, like I, I'm injecting my own sort of meaning into that because it, it does seem to be that this is ironically, it's an, I, I, you know, an ironic key to how this text should be read, right? But also- He's not telling you directly that you should do that. Not, not necessarily. Right? I, I mean, clear, clearly, it it can't possibly be the key to the universe, because if it were, <laughs> then then it would uh, have been solved. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, but also let me let me just point out something because I think uh, later we we get Dorcas um, sort of like uh, Doctor Talos uh, sees Dorcas alongside. Uh, uh, Severian and he names Severian death, you know, our old enemy death and, uh, and gives Dorcas the moniker of innocence, you know, mm. and it, so just to sort of put a, a nice little bow on that, you know, uh, before Dr. Talos mentions any of that, um, she's talking about like, uh, we're still in the same conversation. And she says, it seems to me that what you call the third meaning, in other words, the, the, um, the higher meaning, right? The higher reality is very clear, but the second meaning is harder to find. And the first, which ought to be the easiest is impossible. So it's weird because her, she understands the most abstract, uh, pattern that which she had likened to babies knowing before they can speak. So when we think about Dorcas, then she is in fact sort of like uh, innocence in a in a certain sense, um, you know, sort of like a a a, a symbol of innocence. I I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she she is essentially a newborn in mm -hmm. a sense. Yes, um, and that she has emerged from the lake of death and doesn't seem to really remember anything except fleetingly. She seems to occasionally remember something, but mostly she, she seems to have trouble uh, grasping what's going on. And, and yet, as you had pointed out, Kurt, in previous uh, episodes, she has like this weird sort of wisdom, uh, like she'll, she'll spout off some weird uh, yeah. anecdote or, or some wisdom that seems to be very uh, pertinent uh, or relevant to the, to the situation at hand. So yeah, it, it's just sort of an interesting little, uh, it, it, yeah, I, I feel like this is Gene having a little bit of fun with us, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then, and then next we come at last to the, to the performance, which I thought was really cool. Um, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. liked the description of the performance. Wolf seems to really get that weird carny like camaraderie of, 
like a small theater troupe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if if any of you have done community theater. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Pete has. I would be surprised somehow if Pete hasn't done community theater. Am I right, Pete, or am I wrong? Oh, well. Oh, he's maybe cur- he's he's had to disappear. <laughs> well, uh, oh, he, he had the exit stage left. Oh, I, yeah, I, I assumed see pursued it by bear, <laughs> pursued by Chewy. Pursued by Chewy. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, so um, I really like that the 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 fact that like they're able to first of all they're able to just incorporate them back into the play like unexpectedly, um, and they and they actually do explain it later as like well you know they had uh they had. They weren't sure if Severian would ever show up, so they combined Severian's lines with Dr. Talos's uh, lines. Dr. Talos, Dr. Talos, Dr. Talos, Dr. Talos. That's, that's all that I can think of when I was reading this was uh, the, uh, the uh, Dr. Zayas song based on Rock Me Amadeus from, from The Simpsons, by the way. Sorry for that. Uh, uh, for that little bit of singing there, but um, uh, and, and then and then like they're kind of working through that 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 whole thing, and they they eventually scare off the audience after all these. It almost seems like almost like a version of like a passion play combined with like like a Hammer horror film almost. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and they scare all the people away. And oh, oh, but but not before they do the classic Carney trick of being like, if you want us to finish the story, we need some money. Um, and then they ultimately scare everyone away with uh, bald danders. Uh, and then they have dropped a bunch of turnips and radishes and shit up, upon the ground that they then eat um, <laughs> along with uh, the money. That that whole sequence was was delightful. Mm-hmm. Well, again, Severian talks about how incredibly hot. Uh, what's her name? Uh, jo- Jolenta. Jo- Jolenta is it's like, it's incredible. The most beautiful <laughs> woman I've ever seen. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> ten out of ten. Sensuous. Um, we were all 18. Yeah, uh, Pete, <laughs> yes. Pete, Pete, now that you're back, have you yeah. ever done community theater? Uh, yes. I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> he did it again! He did it again! Pete, I, uh, while you were gone, I wagered that, 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 that of us, you had done community theater. So I'm delighted to have been right. <laughs> yeah, uh... I did too, I did too, for, okay, for, well, for thank, a few years. Okay, well, thank you for that, because otherwise I'm like, well... Crap! Isn't that a relatively normal? Yeah, in uh, in Minneapolis, I uh, I worked at the uh, theater in the Round Community Theater and probably did like thirty five shows in a row. Oh, that was that's much more reputable than I ever did. I I did like a like like a local community theater group that was perpetually in the process of collapsing, and I did um uh gosh, we did. I was with them for three shows, the third of which I dropped out of because I was too far away and it became a hassle. Um, and the show that I dropped out of was The Lion in Winter, and that was the only one that's really worth uh, talking about. Um, the other two were like were like comedies from the late 50s that like because our audience was exclusively old people, like we had to do these comedies of like there were like none of the jokes made any sense to me, but like old people like <laughs> <laughs> like arsenic and old lace that kind of thing yes exactly yes exactly along that yes yeah uh ha- have you ever seen any joe orton no i don't think so well he's he's from that time period but holy shit dude like it is uh that we could we could do a separate episode on the man he served six months in jail for defacing public library books he's just an amazing playwright <laughs> oh what he would do is he would he would take a book out of the library that was uninteresting like 
change the illustrations and so on to make it very interesting and then put it back. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, so can, uh, can I ask oh, a question okay, about about um, Joe Josesta Jotep Jolenta Jolenta? Are we Polenta. to under? Yeah, are, Polenta. Yes. Are we to understand that I, I'm just going to be childish? Are we to understand that her breasts are so large that she has trouble walking? Yes, because that's, that's what it sounds. Like. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, she's also. Uh, I I don't know if you. So do do you know who she is? Well, she's the tavern girl you, from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. I just wanted to make sure because I Severian apparently does not remember her at all. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Well, he's it? he's doing the uh, the the gif of of uh, the cartoon wolf banging on the table and then like turning the wheel that makes all the hands clap and and his, his eyes getting real big and going awooga awooga <laughs> well i mean a uh, part of this is the fact that uh jolenta's doing uh, on her end of things is is doing the uh you know like the fred flintstone wearing a mustache thing where she's <laughs> apparently you know had some makeup and and stuff happen to her uh as well as perhaps some judicious use of i don't know stage stuff i don't know i i have no clue uh, to make her look a little different, so he he is completely like uh, maybe because he is immediately falling in love or like oh my god she is so beautiful I I, I can't stop looking at her and you're like okay <laughs> Mister like, Perfect Recall yes yeah. yes I did like that as it goes on he start, he he mo- Severian mostly talks about like the the things that seem off about her like he talks about her eating a grape where she just eats the grape in one bite without chewing it or or he's like everything she does is super clumsy and she's just kind of like stumbling around like an old person um, well uh the I I thought that the the her like dropping a grape basically down her throat was a callback to uh how weird that same thing is when Thecla does it with a leak remember oh, she I swallowed think, a, oh, right. she swallowed a, a leak like uh was it like a serpent swallowing a uh, or I'm sorry a mountebank swallowing a serpent or something <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay <laughs> Certainly, no suggestions there. Not at all, sir. Whatever. <laughs> this is a nice family well, uh, establishment I, I, here. I also like how Jolenta like is just constantly like, "Please carry me, like, <laughs> get me a cart." Like, <laughs> well, uh, oh, the the thing that you had mentioned, and and to your point, Chris, uh, what uh, Kurt had mentioned is that her her thighs are very round. So I guess she's just very. <laughs> <laughs> She's dummy thick. She can't walk. <laughs> I'm I'm dummy thick. And I'm trying to see through the wall, but the but the claps of the, the clapping of my ass cheeks is alerting the altar. <laughs> I guess I guess in this case it's it's uh, alerting the cakechins. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after the play. Uh, when uh, Severian goes to sleep, he's once again visited by, uh, again visited by Master Malrubius, and we get, uh, it's not spelled out, but uh, initially it's the snuffling of some beast and lies up against his back, uh, which I took to be Triskel again. Oh no, it, it's it actually it, is spelled out this time. Yeah, it specifically, it okay. specifically says, says it's it's my dog Triskel. Hooray! I thought he was gone. So uh, I, th- there's also a little tiny thing here where it's um, 
talk about the the atmosphere of dislocation and unreality is heightened by the knowledge that Master Melrubius was not dead or even away, that he was in fact merely lying in his cabin, lying in the same bed he had slept in each night when he was still teaching and disciplining us. There is a saying that the that unseen is good as unbin, but in this case it was otherwise. Unseen, Master Melrubius was more palpably present than ever before. Master Palaemon refused to assert that he would never return, and so every act was weighed in double scales. What would Mister? What would Master Palaemon permit it? And would pa- Master Pal- uh, Malru- What would Mel- Master Melrubius say? Uh, this is a, 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 I love this aside. In the end, he said nothing. Torturers do not go to the Tower of Healing, no matter how ill. There is a belief, whether true or not, I cannot say, that old scores are settled there. <laughs> I, like I love that. that. I like that. Um, yeah, I, but, but, I, I uh, like it, the implication that, and this is an ominous one, that, that I, okay, so we know that Malrubius is dead by now. But the appearance of Triskella alongside him implies that Triskella is dead too. But it's unclear, right? Like because mm-hmm. Triskella just kind of disappeared. But it, but it's a nice it's a nice because of the implication. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, also, um, I, I, if we wanted to get a little uh, dig a little deeper, the 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 sequence that I just read is um, Severian describing how Master Malrubius is considered to have died. Right? Uh, he 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 fell ill and never like basically stopped getting out of his cabin. He was just lying on his bed, and it just made me think of like those anchorites that. Um, They'll seal themselves in, in a cell. Uh, it just made me think of that because also th- there is that that hint that you know he is more present than ever before. Uh, <laughs> strike me down, and uh, I will come back as stronger than ever before. Uh, type mm. of feeling, right? Um, anyway, it's just an odd thing to say, and I do I do love that little detail. Uh, as well as the continued uh, sort of like, uh, well, Mr. Master Malrubius, the dead guy is still around somewhere. Uh, what? <laughs> Shows up every once in a while. And it, it was in his conversation with um, Severin uh, was very interesting because it was just like, what are the seven? What was it? The seven uh, principles of governance? I think that's it was. yeah. And and then also like he asks like. What is Triskel attached to? Like, which what level is he? Is Triskel attached to you, and what level are you attached to God? Essentially, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was just very, um, very high minded and um, an interesting. Like, you know, one of those like weird like um, dreams that you get. Like, that's like not a dream, not quite a dream, not not quite awake. You know, like dreaming, like not not quite daydreaming, not quite actual dreaming. It was. That was a very um, interesting uh, section. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, I love that uh, when he gets up, like, uh, you know, I sat up, Malrubis and Triskel had, ha- Triskel had vanished, yet my side felt faintly warm. Uh, so. Yeah. And, and, and then mean, Dr. Talos is like, well, you were sleeping by a fire. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, he, <laughs> Dr. Talos is going to start up a, a skeptic podcast now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> little did we know. Um, I also felt that there was some sort of weird significance with who was eating what 
uh, for breakfast, like mm. the apples, the pomegranate, and so on. Mm. Um, what is it? Does it is it Dorcas that says? She says red is the apples of I don't remember. <laughs> uh, what is it? Red is the apples of I can't think of it. Would you like a bite? And uh, I've heard that the phrase ends with uh, red is the apples of Eden. Oh, so I I googled red red as the apples of, and the second response, the second result was shadow of the torturer, and the rest (laughs) of them were were just all different like idioms in different places. Like I didn't see the same one twice. They were all in different like different languages in different regions of the world. I didn't see red as the apple of Eden, but that would make the most sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, that does make the most sense. I mean, it could be open, too, because this is, you know, who knows? Uh, it being like this is more than anything else. It's sort of set in South America, uh, a South America of the far, far, far future. Um, and uh, sh- should we? Sh- I mean, this is really uh, an, an amazing uh, last chapter because <laughs> I just love that he's like, yeah, and there was a riot. And then, you know what? Um, gate to gate. That's what I promised you. Um, it, it, you know, if you want to continue, uh, I'll, I'll continue telling you the tale, but uh, it's not a hard it's not an easy road. <laughs> <laughs> the end well, and you're like what the fuck <laughs> well and, and he's like they're going under the gate and all of a sudden like people are like stampeding and trampling every- one another and then he's just like okay well I-, I get it if you don't want to follow me everything further okay see you later <laughs> like <laughs> the end uh so i i so like i like that that bit was pretty good but the i loved so the description of the wall was amazing where it was just mm-hmm. like like uh, uh, inconceivably tall metal structure but not only that like it has windows up uh you know in, with and within which you can see like they saw creatures and things like that and then like there's like some sort of like you know i guess it sounds like it sounds like fo- almost like folklore about like who actually they might be mm-hmm. um the Dr. Talos apparently thinks that there's some sort of like, um, like an, a, a, you know, a, a hidden army for the Autark and uh, the other guy that they kind of come up, come across is seems to be indicating that they're like aliens or something. I, I, I didn't quite catch what, where he was going because he was then interrupted eventually. But yeah, I mean, uh, he calls uh, Dr. Talos says that the Pandors of the Autark, which is uh, an old timey word for a specific type of infantry. Mm. Uh, but also um, I believe they, they also meet uh, Jonas on the road there who then starts telling uh, like sort of builds on what Talos was talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and he says, uh, yeah, something about like, yeah, like the, the there's a bunch of uh, armies that are just simply waiting in there <laughs> And he's like, well, that's not ominous at all. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like how is is Jonas the other cart driver? Uh the, he says the guy who they're it, like, who they're like, ask us this question, but also don't ask us any questions. And we won't ask you any, but you can't ask us any questions. Yes, yes. Okay. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. I, I love how he starts telling this insanely interesting story. And you're like, I, I want to hear the end of it. And then and then it gets interrupted and Severian's like distracted. He's like, I didn't hear the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was too busy pulling a man to his death. I, and <laughs> yes. doing the apricots. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what I is the apricots? It sounds like the three seashells or the ginger beer trick. <laughs> so, so by the way, um, also Hethor, uh, not Hethor, uh, they meet Hethor there too. But uh, Jonas is where uh, is riding uh, what he calls a Mary Kip. Uh, and I just, I, I hadn't looked it up. Um, I expected some weird horse creature. Uh, it is actually a uh, extinct proto horse. So uh, again, with the weird prehistoric creatures, um, mm. uh, or or who knows what they are. Like basically, it, it leads me to believe that Jonas is a small man uh, who also has a metal arm. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah I, I uh, caught that. That was cool. That was cool. By the way, yeah. is Doctor Talos a robot? Well, that's the thing, and it uh, I, I because of Talos, I thought of that, but apparently, I'm not seeing anything like even. Let me put it this way: um, I, I was really sort of thrown for a loop there um, when he way, way, way back at the beginning when he's talking about uh, Master Palaemon having like a shining lens, uh, and I was like, "Wait, what? Hmm. A shining lens." Is he, is he like fucking Cyclops? What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> um, I, I, it could be glasses. It could be like some weird, pro, like cyborg prosthetic. I don't know. But, um, but Talos, uh, because Talos is, is like that big, um, bronze, uh, golem or whatever, uh, that, uh, guarded, I think it was, was it Crete? Mm. Um, I, that's what I thought of initially, like, and and the fact that the description of him uh, way back when we first meet him is uh, Severian saying like, oh yeah, if um, you know if if there are lots of realities stacked on top of each other, in one of those realities, Doctor Talos's face is basically a, a stuffed fox mask on a wall. You know, mm. you're like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, that's really interesting. But what is going on here? He he also apparently does not eat or sleep or or yes. want money. Yeah, yeah. That that's why I was like, is he a robot? Because he mentions like, oh, I almost never sleep, and he never like. And, and in this, um, he he just like stays up, and he act, he's acting super weird. And then Severian wakes up later and is like, oh, you can take a nap. And he's like, uh, uh, a nap? Yes, I will take a nap, just like us humans do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then yes, yes, wink, wink. And then and then when he wakes up. Uh, it's because like they're they're talking about something that would be of interest to him, and he's like, "Yep, yes, I'm here, I'm here." It's me, Doctor Talos. <laughs> oh, yes. I was awake. Yeah. I heard that. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, uh, yeah. This is just a wild. Like, there's a bunch of details that he just sort of piles in right there in the last chapter. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know what?" Um, never mind. I it's- I also <laughs> I like how it ends on that note though, <laughs> mm-hmm. where he's just like. So I've been writing some stuff and it's complicated to get you to understand it. And if you want to stop reading now, I'd be fine with that. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there there is. If I can jump back real quick to the, um, to the, to the chapter where they were talking about Mel Rubius and Triskel visiting him. Uh, He's, he's talking about like um, some of the, 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 the tricks that Talos uses to write the play and that he's been using in his writings as well. So he says that uh, the spectators will be content that there are no long delays. If the condemned is permitted to speak briefly and does it well, if the upraised blade gleams in the sun for a moment before it descends, thus giving them time to catch breath and nudge one another. 
and if the head falls with a satisfactory gout of blood. Similarly, you, who will someday delve into Master Oltan's library, will require of me no long delays. Personages who are permitted to speak only briefly, yet do it well. Certain dramatic pauses, which shall signal to you that something of import is about to occur. Excitement and a sating quality of blood. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I just find it interesting that, you know, like a, a chapter or two before the end, where he's like, yeah, you know, yeah, this is really interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll catch you later, if you want to read, that is. Yeah. Well, uh, there was the, there's that long, like, part where he's kind of like, well, let me just give you a little clue as to my, like, there's there's certain things that, um you know, not so much that that literature demands of it including being brisk and, and like he's doing this like long throat clearing <laughs> like he's like going on for like three pages about how <laughs> how he's going to be brisk and it's just, it's just very I, I i like the times where it's very clear that severian has no self-awareness <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that may also be where gene wolf is fucking with us too That's it's like 90 percent of his charm though oh yeah for sure He's, um, I mean, he's, he's the autark. He's not the other people Tark. <laughs> <laughs> he's our Tark, not their Tark. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, I suppose we should probably, uh, wrap it up. Uh, we, we will have a, a little postmortem episode coming up soonish. Uh, but, uh, wait, wait, go, wait, go ahead. The appendix. Mm. Oh, All, go for it. All one page of it. Um, <laughs> mine was removed. <laughs> Sorry. That, that was, that, you know, Pete, that was a Gene Wolf joke, man. Uh, oh, that was, using using that was, one word to mean two things? Hell that was, yeah. That was stale, dude. That was stale. <laughs> Go so, on. So it was mid, mid torso. Okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, conciliator. Oh, pancreator. Um, so. I thought it was interesting that at the very, it's only at the very end of the book that it's like, by the way, this was conveyed to me, Gene Wolf, in its entirety. Uh, tr- it, it is, oh God, what is the, hold on, what, what, what is the paragraph? I quoted it in our, in our, in our group chat earlier, um, where, uh, among other things, he says, uh, so there's this kind of like postscript where he says, like, you know, I've, I, it, it, for, for, Types of animals that never existed, I have used extinct ones for, for you know, most things that sound like metal, I've called metal. I've used archaic terms instead of, uh, instead of translating this manuscript with made up words, like would be so easy to do. And then he says, <laughs> to those who have preceded me in the study of the <laughs> post-historic world, and particularly to those collectors, too numerous to name here, who have permitted me to examine artifacts surviving so many centuries of futurity, and most especially to those who have allowed me to visit and photograph the era's few extant buildings, I am truly grateful. (laughs) Which is an insane paragraph, because what he's saying is, I'm grateful to the people who have allowed me to see the things that have survived from the future. (laughs) <laughs> like he's he's essentially doing reverse hauntology like isn't it amazing that all these things from the future are still around will have already have happened it's so it's i i love many centuries of futurity instead of history futurity 
So again, it's this it's the sense of having persisted from the future. I, I don't know. It's it's such a weird conceit, and then of course it's signed Gene Wolfe, as in <laughs> um, not all, so. So Gene Wolfe has made himself part of the story. He's also uh, this this occurred to me tonight as I was reading it. He's also made us the reader a character because multiple times throughout. Uh, Severian says, you, reader, will, of course, have seen the wall many times. Mm. You will have done this. You will have done that. You, I know, have done this. And so we're to understand that we are not we are not necessarily us, you know, here in 2022 reading it. We are ourselves a character in the future reading Severian's manuscript. And that I found really charming. Um, it's not the only time I, I've. I've seen it done. It's done a lot in passing. Like a lot of stories are are addressed to a character. Um, mm-hmm. The one that comes to mind, though, is uh, is a book called Fitzpatrick's War, which is a a steampunk military sci fi book that is written as the the memoirs of somebody who accompanied like a future world conqueror. Um, but but the manuscript is essentially meant to be understood as teaching material in a history class in the future, annotated by a historian who is telling you that that what you're reading is all a lie, basically that it's you you are reading propaganda and it's it's all a lie. But you're meant to understand that actually the historian is the one doing propaganda. But but it, it reminded me of that. But I, I love that sense of like. Severian is, is not just addressing us. He's addressing a very particular actual person who is reading the words of the autark. Hmm. So there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers going on here, like an onion. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also, uh, that's why I, 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 I pointed out that um, basically that appendix, uh, when, when we first started this, that that appendix also uh, does the trick of this is supposed to be a found document, right? Yeah. Like the old timey trick, but this time it's from the future. Well, isn't it, isn't it a flex that, that, that that's the, at the end of this section? Yes. yes. Because I would have really liked to know starting out reading this that when he says like oh it's this extinct animal it's not actually the animal it's some other thing mm-hmm. um, right right by the way tolkien also uh has that element of like imperfect translation where uh, apparently like F- frodo's name is is actually like mobongo or something stupid it's it's, it's, it's like like <laughs> frodo and bilbo aren't actually their names that's like tolkien's approximation of the like middle earth middle english dialect yes. or something yes so yeah, i like it I, I, it's I, a do, flex. I do love that um yeah so i guess uh we should probably do like uh last thoughts nothing I, happened and i loved it <laughs> I, was, I, I had my last thought about 20 minutes ago dude <laughs> oh, sorry it's okay what was it removed with your appendix pete <laughs> <laughs> i think that was the last thought <laughs> Chris, anything? Yeah, just like Chris said, I I, it, I like that this is just apparently like a whole bunch of, you know, side stories that are loosely connected. Um, and uh, it's like it's giving very much um, almost like like it's it's 
I think I said this in another episode, but it's it's a uh, it's a picaresque, like it's where you know it's just the following mm-hmm. a, a character around, and he's going on the 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 many adventures of of Severian, the the torturer. <laughs> oh man, I also li- like the the. I will say that I I definitely enjoyed the fact that he had to instruct the the guy that was going to pay him. He's like, no, you got to throw it at the floor, man. You got to throw it. <laughs> Gotta throw the payment on the floor, man. Um, anyway, uh, I, I I just love the the fact that uh, that Gene Wolf is trolling us even to the end. So yeah, uh, that is a, a really an amazing an amazing flex. So um, I actually do have a last thought. What what are we gonna do now, man? Are we gonna do Claw? Are we switching it up? No, we're what? gonna do we're gonna do the entire book what? of the new sun, man. What what, what would we do otherwise? <laughs> we're gonna re- next we're doing the two tower. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go. Uh, yeah, we're going back in time, Pete. We're gonna go do Lord of the Rings month again. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I go ahead. I'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would. Can, can, sure you oh, would. Okay, I I have a bonus extra thought, which is. This book for me was carried entirely on the strength of the prose and the writing. Um, it's just so interesting. And Wolf knows exactly what makes the prose interesting. And it's not the plot, right? It's not the stakes. The stakes are like non-existent, right? Because we know that nothing is going to happen to Severian and Almost any stakes there could be, for the most part, are like, is something going to happen to Severian? Well, no, he's going to get the Thrax or somewhere else. Yeah, he's the narrator, for Christ's sake. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he's constantly diffusing the tension. Uh, But it's just, I don't know, it's just interestingly written. It's very, it's just fascinating on like a a paragraph by paragraph basis. And and it's it's almost like anti-pulp in a way, where Mm -hmm. it's, it's... it's not trying to be propulsive. It's trying to be high-minded and like academic and like a fussy way. It's a very fussy text, mm. but I, I don't know. There's something about the quality of the prose that really carries it. It makes me very envious of Wolf's ability to, to write like this. Mm-hmm. Just, just everything he writes is just, it's just interesting and fascinating and a little bit funny. I don't know. It's, it's really good. So I'm excited yeah. to read the next book. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, man. Let's go for the claw. All right. The claw. So, uh, the claw. <laughs> they wanted to take him to his leader. So, uh, all right. Well, in that case, I do want to thank you all for, uh, you know what? Uh, you've accompanied me on this journey, gate to gate, if you will. <laughs> uh, if you, if, if, Pete, if you want to continue on to claw, uh, it, it, you're you're more than welcome to, but it's not an easy road, and I won't blame you if you don't want to come along. <laughs> I'm I'm down. <laughs> All right. Well, in any case, um, thanks everyone for 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 reading, uh, for for sort of exploring this book with me, and to everyone listening to this. This is the end of the Ch- Shadow of the Torturer, and next in next few weeks we will have our next. Uh, startup of the reading uh, with Claw the Conciliator, chapters one through five. All right. So thanks for listening in, and we'll catch you next time here. I, oh, I have a special end here. Oh, go for it. Chewy, come. Come on. Come inside. Come here, buddy. <laughs> I got a treat for you. Come on. Come on. 
Oh, Triskel oh. speaks. <laughs> I have a I have a special end too that I, I almost forgot about. Um, oh, that's right, that's right. Blood Knife, my magazine, has just announced a couple upcoming themed issues that we are currently looking for pitches for uh, for for nonfiction uh, essays in the eight hundred to twenty four hundred, maybe a little bit longer uh, range, and we are looking for pitches uh, about uh, transhumanism. Uh, cyberpunk slash mega corporations in a general sense and video games in a general sense. And they don't need to be about a particular game, about a particular piece of media. It can be about a, a, a concept, uh, a theme, a trend. It can be about just some thoughts you had, um, but it should be interesting and it should be weird. And uh, you can you can find our submission guidelines uh, by Googling right for Blood Knife, I think is probably the easiest way to, 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 to find it or going to bloodknife.com. Uh, and clicking on the submissions uh, button, or you can just email email me at Kurt with a K at Bloodknife, uh, also with a K dot com with a C. Uh, and, Trans uh, pitches for techno bitches. I'm down. Wow. Yes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Hell yeah. So. All right. And uh, Pete, what was uh, did Chewie have something to say? Yeah, he he was actually saying something to the neighbors, which is why I enticed him inside with a treat. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. Well, we we all I think everyone here uh, lives for those chewy interruptions. <laughs> as the um, as the fifth mic uh, here at Podside. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everyone. Uh, we'll catch you later here at Podside. <laughs>